Nigel Farage knows what it's like to fight an election. He's stood for Parliament seven times in Britain and he's lost seven times. He's managed one by rarely winning at all. He knows then what it's like to be a political outsider right at the heart of politics. He knows the pressure of cameras, debates, adoring fans and fierce critics. He also knows far more about his friend Donald Trump's psyche than you or me. I like Nigel a lot. Call me Mr. Brexit. How many times did you go to the White House? Oh, several times. So in his third and final episode of the Trump card, Nigel Farage will be looking ahead at November's election and giving us the inside track on Donald Trump, the presidential candidate. Does his friend have the winning hand? What's he likely to play as his Trump card? And will he accept defeat easily if he's forced to fold? I'm Christopher Hope, the Telegraph's chief political correspondent. Now, full disclosure, we should say also that we recorded this episode before news that Donald Trump himself had contracted coronavirus. Now, everyone has an opinion on who should win in November, but most agree that in recent years, politics has become harder and harder to call. So normally, interviewees need a little encouragement to nail their colours to the mast, but not Nigel Farage. On the day he'll win. There's no question on the day he'll win. The worry, just as we've seen terrible abuses of postal voting in this country, is are we going to see the same thing in America? And the worst of all worlds is that Trump wins on the day, and then 10 days later they've counted all these postal votes, not all of which will have been verified as coming from individuals, and we find a different result. And if that was to happen, America would be plunged into a very, very bad place. I, I'm concerned about it, uh, but I still think, I still think, unless there is electoral fraud, he will win again. Why are you so convinced? Well, I think there are a couple of big reasons for this. Uh, the first is the Trump base are more committed than they ever were. They think the guy's phenomenal. They think the guy is standing up in a difficult, dangerous world for the values that they believe in. And... You know, this portrayal, it's rather like Brexit voters are all sort of knuckle-dragging, you know, sort of Neanderthals. Uh, and the Americans do the same, but it's not true. Look at Florida, for example, a state that he has to win, by the way. Look at Florida. He's leading in the Hispanic vote in Florida. So there are all sorts of different people voted for Donald Trump. So the base is mobilised. And when you ask the base who say they're going to vote for Trump, you know, what's their primary reason for doing it? Love the guy. All right. Go to the Biden voters where you find nearly 60 percent of Biden voters when they're asked what is their primary reason for saying they're going to vote Biden? They say because they don't like Trump. <laughs> now, that's a negative, not a positive. To win elections, you have to get a positive. Mm. Why did people vote Brexit? Because they actually thought we're going to get back control of our borders and leave this blooming club of people telling us what to do. And we're going to go out and we're going to take on the establishment. And we're going to... Why did people vote Boris? So they liked his boosterism, well, well, I think his positivity. Been, they, they've been warmed up a bit in the European elections. <laughs> but why did they vote Boris? There, yeah, was a, done. there was a positive reason to do it, not a negative reason to do it. Yeah, sure. Corbyn's this, Corbyn's that. But actually, it's a positive reason. And Biden doesn't have positive reasons to get people to go out and vote for him. And I, and I think that difference... That difference is very important. There's quite a scant on detail from the convention on what Trump will do, wasn't it? It was just saying, back this guy, he can touch the Rust Belt states, he can touch well, I don't areas that no, you can't. No, 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 no. It's perfectly clear what he's saying. You know, what he's saying is, I'm the guy that gave you the greatest economy America's ever seen. 
albeit with a bit of debt, but hey. <laughs> but I'm the guy that's given you know, the greatest economy America has ever seen in terms of growth, etc. Um, and I'm the guy to lead us out of this slump and this problem that we've got. That's a pitch. But I think the even bigger pitch is going to be we have cities all over America that are going up in smoke, not just the forest fires, but violent demonstration, appalling behavior, this agenda that the Black Lives Matter movement have brought with them, with many of their friends in the media, uh, that is very, very destructive, completely destructive to the American way of life, and that actually the things that America have, have, have held dear are very, very seriously threatened by all of this. And you know what? Biden cannot disavow Antifa. He cannot disavow Black Lives Matters because a significant chunk of his own party believe in their agenda. He can't do it. And the other day he realized he was losing popularity over being seen to be weak on thuggery, violence, and he tried to give a speech to get himself out of that hole, and it didn't work. You may believe mouthing the words law and order makes him strong, but his failure to... And I think the law and order card is one that Trump has to play. As an armed militia in this country shows how weak he is. How do you feel, though, when he won't meet with the families of, of murdered black people? Don't you think that is just inflaming well, I think, these racist sorry. I mean, I mean I, you know, this is a separate podcast. You know, should George Floyd be a hero? But I'm going to leave that debate there. I'm not going to, otherwise it'll overshadow everything else we've talked about. But, but that is the reason. But in the so generality. Trump is, so Trump is not meeting families of those who've been shot by police um, because he fears the whole thing being turned into a complete setup and circus against him. All right? And I completely understand why he does that. But I, I had a long chat with Douglas Murray the other day, you know, who's the intellectual who's talking about all of these movements. And he made the point that these extreme left movements need martyrs. So they pick their martyr. And we're supposed to forget about anything else about these individuals. So, you know, I deplore the way in which George Floyd died all right, I think it's important to say that, but would I take the knee at a protest aimed to mark his memory or do a minute's silence? No, I would not. I, I am very important we don't make people like this heroes. And that, I think, is the message that Trump is sending. And do you think that... Donald Trump has got it in him for four more years. The energy is there. He talked about <laughs> the know, energy back in 2016. You know, you is know, he flagging? I haven't seen him face to face since the 29th of February. But that's quite recently. So I spent some time with him on that day. And it's before lockdown. And he was, I mean, there was speculation then he might win 35, 40 states. And it could be a, be a complete landslide because he'd done so well with the economy. He looked, I must say, impeachment did bear heavily on him. The Russia stuff did bear heavily upon him. But I think the, that constant, constant attempt to delegitimize his presidency, rather like we saw here with the attempt to stop Brexit from happening, quite similar movements on both sides of the pond in many ways. All of that did have an effect on him. There's no point denying that. It did have an effect upon him. But once that was done and gone, the Trump I saw on the 29th of February and spoke to at some length was absolutely up for the campaign, up for the fight, up for four more years. He looked and older? No, he looked younger. <laughs> I think he's lost a bit of weight. 
He looked, he looked terrific. He's up for it. He wants four more years. I'm amazed that he does. I mean, if I was 74, worth that money, had that great family network around me, and I owned the greatest portfolio of golf courses around the world that any private individual's ever had, I want to be out there enjoying the rest of life. But he's absolutely driven he wants to do this. He wants, he wants to win again very badly. He's promising more of the same or going back to where it was before, isn't he? Biden is, is saying, let's go back to where we were. Yeah. But the Democrat Party has changed, all right? This new... I mean, they've got their own Corbyn Easter movement, effectively, within the Democrats, and these people are... Because of Sanders. Bernie, of course, was the first advocate of it, but you've now got others like AOC and others in the House now. These people are hard... Left wing on social issues, they're really hard. And in, the, in this country, would there be corporatist oh, Absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, these people are woke warriors, and uh, they would certainly be in the Corbyn camp. We've never thought of America as really of having that bigger left wing movement in modern times, but it certainly is building. Because Trump has now taken over the Republican Party as the mainstream, do you think that? Republicans, he might win more votes from people who would have been not sure in 2016, so that might help. I don't know. I mean, I think there may be people, there may be people who couldn't bring themselves to vote Trump in 16 who say, Do you know what? He's not that bad, actually. He's done a pretty good job. You know, we still don't like his style. You can see why some of the plight middle class voters find the constant drama of a Trump presidency, which begins at 5.30am with the first tweet of a day. I mean, you know, there are people that find this quite difficult. Um, but it's those same people living in suburbs who, if the violence in the inner cities spreads, are going to see their lives trashed. That, that, to me, is where he wins this election. What will these people do if Biden wins? I mean, if Biden wins, will it be... Well, if Biden wins fair and square, Biden wins fair and square. And they'll accept that? They won't like it. Yes, they will accept it. And then what will happen? I don't know. I mean, Trump, if he was to lose, I don't think Trump will take my advice and go and play golf on the best collection of golf courses anyone individual's ever built up. I guess he'll launch Trump TV or he'll do something. He'll do something. He can't help it. I mean, he's quite a workaholic, you know. He's pretty addicted to work. He's pretty addicted to striving. He's pretty addicted to the drug for Trump. Is It's not alcohol. It's not nicotine. It's not any of those things. It's success. That's what Trump likes. So, so if it's fair and square, the country will accept it. There is this, just this one potential nightmare scenario, as I say, which is a Trump win on the day, a big win on the day, and then we get a lot of postal votes counted. And we get, get towards a, hanging chads. Like oh, well, in, we, uh, well, we saw a bit of this, of course, in, but that was just in Florida. Yeah. And we saw this 20 years ago. Um, and America, I think, sort of... Before hit, social media, before... Yeah. The, the kind of but still inflammatory nature of that. Humiliating for America. They weren't quite sure who the president actually was for a period of time. Uh, this would not just be confined to Florida. There are, I, I'm told, and I'm studying this more deeply, but I'm told there are some states who are handling postal voting well by actually getting names and addresses. There are other states just mailing them out. So there is the potential for the biggest constitutional row in modern times, which could be accompanied by some seriously unpleasant things happening on the street. I, I, I pray we don't get into that. If Trump loses, will he accept it? Will he go to the court? It does depend on the narrowness of... As I say, as I repeat, if Biden was to win this fair and square, that is absolutely fine. But if Biden is to win this, and we don't know that result for another seven days, 
And there's a huge question about how some states administered postal voting. Goodness knows where we are. It almost doesn't bear thinking about because this is America. It is a vitally important country. Uh, and to think we're even debating this just shows you how bad it, how badly they've got some things wrong in their system. It needs, just as we need wholesale reform in the 21st century of our system, America certainly does. And you think Trump's got enough to do in four years. What more does he want to do? He's delivering a bit on Israel, isn't he? He started doing that. He's opened talks with North Korea on the foreign oh, stage. I think the foreign policy agenda... More uh, tax cutting. I think the foreign policy agenda is something where he's achieved great success. And I think term two Trump will do a lot more of that. I really, really do. I think a term two Trump, much of it will be like term one Trump. Much of it will be about, hopefully, wealth creation uh, and let's, let's, you know, cross our fingers in a world that's gone through COVID-19. So on the economics, very little will change at all. Possibly more tax cutting, but he's done that, really. It's about entrepreneurship. And part of Trump, too, will be about um, elections at the midterm uh, in, which, in which maybe the party can try and hold on to a bit more. Because last time it suffered midterm. As so many times you see this in America, that the midterm elections caused presidents real problems in the last two years of their presidency. And he'll Trump, be a lame duck as well, of course. Of course. Knowing Trump, his focus from day one domestically will be the midterms and he'll be out campaigning. He never stops campaigning. He's always out doing rallies and doing these things. So I don't think term two Trump looks very different to term one Trump. Will there be a role for you in this? He's um, quite keen for you to work with Boris Johnson, isn't he? He said that repeatedly. He was, he was, but the modern Tory party don't want to work with me, so that's fine. That's up. Is to that them. a Dominic Cummings problem you have there? Because I, don't, of I, I think it's and that, but it's also you. the sort of basic snobbery of a Tory party. But that's fine, you know. I mean, they've got those red wall voters. I mean, they all came. Which through. you delivered to them, really? They, well, they all came through through Brexit party. They'd all voted UKIP or Brexit party first. Well, we were the gateway drug, and Boris was able to capitalise on that and win the election, and that's fine. But he mustn't. He, he just mustn't ever think he can take them for granted. That's that's what I would say. Hello, I'm Katie Morley, and I'm the Telegraph's consumer champion. It's a big job title, but what it really means is I spend my days helping readers who are being ripped off. I've heard from victims of wicked scams, insurance customers who can't get payouts, and customers who've been treated badly by retailers. I've seen it all. And I've managed to win back over £2 million for our readers in a year. But I couldn't have done it without our subscribers. And that's where you come in. If you subscribe to The Telegraph, you're helping fund public service journalism like this, as well as great podcasts like the one you're listening to. So, to support what we're doing and to get unlimited access to a huge range of world-class journalism, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio where you can get 30 days free access to The Telegraph online. And after that, it's just £2 a week. That's telegraph.co.uk slash audio or click on the link in the show notes to this episode. reflecting on the past four years has your relationship with Donald Trump cost you friends? Oh everything I do cost me friends I mean standing up against the establishment there were people there were people who said to me look we never agreed with you on Brexit but we can now see that it was a respectable thing to do. We didn't understand it at the time, but we now see that it was a respectable thing to do. And then when I backed Trump, there's sort of <laughs> one of those people, oh, God, <laughs> he's confirmed our worst suspicions. 
I don't do things to court short-term popularity. I do things that I believe to be right. And I generally, when I make decisions, stick with them for the long term. And I think on Trump, there are one or two that will never forgive me for it, but I think there are more that perhaps understand why he is part of this agenda, this debate. What is really happening across the Western world that is bigger than Brexit and bigger than Trump is this whole debate. Are we moving towards a world of global governance or are we going to have a world of sovereign, independent, individual nation states? What are the building blocks through which we have live our lives? your family said anything? Your, your mum? Your, your, I know you don't want to talk to your children a lot, no. but, but have they said... Dad, are you sure this is you know this is a bit embarrassing for me at the office because everyone knows I'm, think, your, I'm your. I think that Trump in 2016 was a very difficult thing for people to accept. I won't, I won't quote my family, but people I know well. I think Trump, for, for some, for many, was a difficult thing to accept in 2016. I think Trump in 2020 is a bit easier. Yeah, sure, he's brash, he's out there, he's loud, uh, he makes the odd mistake. Who doesn't? Uh, but I think they can see this is not the warmongering monster who could lead to half the world being killed, that some in the press gave us that impression back in 2016. People can see whether they like him or not. And a lot do like him, you know. But people can see, anybody objectively can see, he's been nothing like as bad as we were told he was going to be. And he has his finger on the nuclear button. What does that mean for the world? This is what's most scary. He is prepared to blow up American democracy. And it's not hard to see how a Trump presidency could lead to a global economic crisis. How will history judge him, do you think? He wants to have his um, wow. his face carved onto Mount Rushmore, I well, see. Well, who from... wouldn't if you're an American <laughs> president? I mean, it's pretty impressive stuff, isn't it? You know. We've been there. No, never. I really want to. I really do want to. But I picked the wrong rally to go to, didn't I? I went to the rally before. <laughs> I went to the rally before in Tulsa. I should have gone to that one. History will always remember him as being the complete outsider who hijacked the Republican Party and turned it into his own image. Uh, and that's the storybook so far. The rest of it will know, I'm hoping, on the 4th of November. And in terms of populism, do you think that that's going to wither because of the COVID crisis? Because COVID no, means... not at all. Not at all. Governments are more uh, authoritarian. They have to sort of impose rules on people. And we have to sort of meekly agree to those rules to protect our loved ones. Well, I, of course, I don't like any of that direction of travel. Um, as far as the European Union's concerned... All that the COVID crisis has done is to store up even deeper problems between the north of Europe and south of Europe as they're trapped together inside one currency. And they can con themselves that their recent agreement over financial transfers means they've moved, they've moved a step closer to full European government. I don't believe it for a moment. And I think the conditions in Italy and countries like that for further huge ruptures to the European Union are there Um and, and that this will all continue. Well, you said in a piece for Newsweek in January that the populist wave has only just begun. Well, I think that's right. I, I, I do, I think. It hasn't know, been stayed by this COVID crisis. No. I mean, everything's been, look, everything's been delayed slightly by the COVID crisis, but no, I, 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 I really do think that those who believe in global government and, and with that, their woke agendas and their support for organisations, whether it's Extinction Rebellion or Black Lives Matters, all of which have turned out to actually be cover 
for just pure Marxism and attempt to bring down our whole way of life, um, I think they are, they are minority views and they're becoming minority views. And I think the, the alternative argument, which is nation-state democracy, cooperating and trading with each other, uh, and, 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 and that is the whole great global battle that's going on. Where will this wave take you in one year, ten years from now? Do you think... Well, I don't think that... You know, I mean, Italy I'm, might succeed from oh, the Oh, I don't think the EU European Union... I mean, I think Brexit is the beginning of the end of the European Union. So you'll see other countries leave, you think? I think you will, yes. And which ones? Yes. Yeah, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't talk to you. I'd be at the bookers, you know. But, I mean, I think Italy is the one where I think there was so much pent-up anger um, about what this project's done to them. So I would put them myself at the top of the list. As for when these things happen, you can never tell, can you? I mean... I thought for many, many years the Berlin Wall couldn't last, and I woke up one morning and it had gone. The timing of these things is always very, very difficult. And, and, you know, the word populism is used nearly always in a pejorative sense, but it's about the nation-state. And I want to say this one thing about Donald Trump. Uh, you know, we've talked at length about Trump, who he is, where he came from, what he's done, and where he's going. But if you want to understand Donald Trump, See the speech he gave to the United Nations two years ago. It's a 30-minute speech, and in that, he lays out his worldview, his own political philosophy. And I say to everybody that hates him, watch that for half an hour, and come back then and tell me you hate him. It has been the formal policy of our country that we reject the interference of foreign nations in our own affairs. Now, some do. And some say, but surely the European Union's great, and surely we need one world government. Well, if, if that's what you want, fine. But Trump lays out his philosophy, and it's because of all the things in that speech that I've stuck by him through thick and thin, and I intend to go on doing so. And that's where you'll be in 10 years' time still. Well, he'll be out of office by then. What's the future for Nigel Farage oh, and Donald no Trump? dear. I've no idea. Playing golf with him in Turnbury. Or... <laughs> well, who knows where we're all going to be in 10 years' time, if we're even alive in 10 <laughs> years' time. Uh, I think it's more important to live for the day um, <laughs> and, uh, and try to enjoy what you can do. As far as I mean, for me, look, I, I, it's really interesting. I mean, even during lockdown, I hope I've been able, by my frequent visits to the Channel and towns around England, to shed light on stories that other people perhaps didn't want to talk about or found difficult to talk about. That's immigration. Well, it's about illegal immigration. Uh, but the impact of that on ordinary folk living in towns all over Britain, where they're seeing the hotels being filled up with people who don't speak the language and in some cases come from a very different culture, which does make life awkward, to say the very least. I. But that's a question of... of Helping those people take part in and join a community, isn't it? That's more of a, that's a policy well, you look at Malmo in Sweden, that's proved to be impossible and led to massive problems. This is not straightforward. If you take huge numbers of young men who come from countries and cultures in which women aren't even second-class citizens and think you can somehow integrate them all and, it's, and, and everything's going to be happy and easy, I, I, th- I think we're making some very, very, very fundamental mistakes, let alone the security aspect. Of this. Okay, but that's, that's a whole new podcast, I'm, I'm sure. But, but the point I'm making is this. You asked me, what am I going to do? Whether it's through politics or whether it's through media, social media, radio, newspapers, TV, whatever it is, the thing that excites me and the thing that I want to do is to make people think differently about issues, especially those around which a consensus has formed. Because I've learned through my life 
as soon as I see a consensus, it's almost certainly wrong and needs to be challenged. So I enjoy moving and shifting debate, and I'm going to go on There's doing bias that. in the media, for example, left-wing bias well, in the media. Well, I think there's a real problem here. I think, I think, I mean, luckily amongst our newspapers, we have a spread of opinion. We really do. You know, the Telegraph has a distinct place in that market, and that's perhaps one of the reasons why it's doing so well with subscribers and why the Telegraph's going to come out of this in a much better space than many of the other newspapers at the end of this year. So we have that in the newspaper market. We don't have that with with broadcasting. I mean, it's wall-to-wall woke. I have to keep turning it off. I can't bear it. And Radio the... Farage coming to you well, soon. Well, who knows what? Who knows exactly what shape it'll take? But 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 I'll be there somewhere. Yeah. This podcast, Nigel Farage, is called the Trump Card. What is Trump's Trump card in 2020? His Trump card in 2020 is that he is strong. Is that he believes in a civilized society that he believes in law and order, and that he will not bow down to a fake agenda that masquerades as being for the environment or for racial equality, when in fact it's Marxism, and he won't bow down before it, and people will respect him for that. And how has that changed since 2016? I don't think law and order was a particularly big issue in 2016. I mean, yes, look... There are injustices in America, racial divides in America, that we don't have in our country. There are problems in big American cities. But law and order itself, despite the number of people that die every year in gun attacks and all the rest of it, law and order itself was not a salient issue in that election. Boy, it is this time. Nigel Farage, thank you for coming on the Trump card. Thank you, and I hope he plays that card well on the 3rd of November. Well, that's it, the third and final episode of The Trump Card. If you enjoyed this series, we'd really appreciate it if you could support our journalism. You can do that by signing up for a Telegraph subscription at telegraph.co.uk forward slash Trump podcast. It will give you access to all of our news, opinion, culture, sport, lifestyle and much, much more. And you get the first 30 days free when you use that link. Telegraph subscribers are the reason we can make these podcasts happen at all. So please do sign up. Please do also, if you can, leave the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find this show. And if you're twiddling your thumbs and not sure what next to listen to, I present another podcast. It's called Chopper's Politics. Chopper's my nickname, you see. And you can find it by searching Chopper's Politics wherever you're listening to this. I interview all the biggest names in Westminster from party leaders to the advisors that make it all happen. And believe it or not, we have a good laugh too. The Trump Card was produced and devised by Theodora Leludis. With help from Louisa Wells, the music and sound design was by Tom Pink. Thank you for listening. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.